Welcome to Leading Lights. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Our Leading Lights project, if, in case you don't know about it, we've set up a website where we put a whole lot of extra material, not just our Sunday services, but we put on extra teachings, extra resources for people to be able to start little churches or little groups in their homes wherever they are in the world. And it's, I, I believe it's, it's going to be awesome. Just to say that the website problems that we've been having, we really believe they are just about fixed. We had a meeting with the people on Friday and it's looking good. It's looking almost perfect. There's a few little glitches that they're still trying to fix. But if I could just ask you guys, and I'm asking everyone else who's listening to this on the podcasts, to please try and log in to leadinglightsnetwork.com. Become, register yourself and use some of the material. Try all the links. Try the different things. Try email us messages. Try to do everything you can with it because we need as many people as possible to use the site to tell us if there's any problems and then just email us and tell us if this isn't working or this could be better or that doesn't work on an iPad but it does work on this or whatever. If you could try it, there's also the benefit that I believe that there's awesome material for all of us in the church that you wouldn't get on a Sunday morning. We've put extra stuff on there. There's some wonderful resources um, that we don't have time to pack into Sunday morning. And we don't always have time to pack into Bible school. But it's leadership development stuff. And I am of the opinion, I'm not, I'm not one of these people that says we're the leaders and we keep everything to ourselves. I believe we're all the leaders. Amen. You know, the Bible says we are kings and priests for our God. In the Old Testament, there was one king and there was one priest, or maybe a few priests. Now in the New Testament, we are all kings, we're all priests, we're all leaders, and we want you to be leaders. So it's not a question of, you know, we're the only ones who can minister. We want to develop everyone. And so this site, Leading Lights, is an awesome tool. Log in. It's free. You just need to log in and register, and then you can enjoy all the stuff. We're going to be putting lots of extra stuff on every week, but it'll build you up and it'll make you into a leader. We're talking about purpose today. Last week, James started us off on this and we're going to be looking at it for the next few weeks. Have you ever wondered what is your purpose in life? Why am I here? Have you ever said, why do I exist? Why did God put me here? What am I supposed to be doing? Have you been in a job where you're going through the motions and you you're doing stuff and you think, is this really all there is to life? Is this why I was created? Is this why I exist? I'm sure you'll agree with me that if I want to know the purpose of something, I need to go to the person who made it. Isn't that right? And so the basis behind what we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks is that there is a God who made us. It wasn't just a mistake. It's not just chance and random movement of particles that caused us to exist. It's not just a mistake that I was born, where I was born, when I was born, to the family that I was born to. It's not a mistake. God has a purpose and I will be most fulfilled when I find my purpose and when I start to walk in it. Isn't that awesome? This has been bubbling up in me. I was talking to Jamie earlier. This has been bubbling up in me for about 20 years. I first preached a sermon similar to this about 20 years ago. And ever since then, God has just been working in me to say, how can we help people find their purpose? So what we've designed is a four-part course. Today we're looking at 
how did God make me? Next week, we're looking at what has God given me? The third time, we're looking at where has God placed me? And then at the end, we'll, we'll say, what will God ask me at the end of my life? And the aim of all of this course is for us to be able to say at the end of it, I know why I was put on planet Earth. Quite a big, ambitious task. But I believe we can do it. And I really believe that today you're going to find some answers. So let's just read a couple of verses. Psalm 139. In the NIV, verse 16 says, all, your, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. It starts off just before that, in the verses before that, talking about how God saw my unformed body. When, when I was in the earth, it says, and, and He wove me together in my mother's womb, and, and He was there, and He had a plan right from the start of my life, and He even wrote in a book what He had planned for my life. Wouldn't you like to see that book? Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see that book. I would love to go into God's filing room and open up the cabinets and find the book that's got my name and read all the things that God had planned for me. I want to be honest with you and say that I believe that maybe a tiny fraction of my life have I been walking in the things that God planned for me. Most of the time I've been doing what I wanted or what somebody else wanted for me to do. Isn't that right? Most of the time we're swayed around by the winds of circumstance and other people's plans for our life. You know that the four spiritual laws is a wonderful evangelistic tool. And one of the one of the four spiritual laws says God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But I think most of the time in Christian circles, people say God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. And the aim of this course is for us to say, God, you love me. You made me. You know me. You know me best. You want what's best for me. What is your plan for my life? What are the days ordained for me in your book? Romans 12 verse 2 says that God's will for us is good, perfect, and pleasing. That means if I was to read that book, I would say, God, this is good. It's, it's beneficial. It's a blessing. It's not bad or harmful. You know, some of us think if I was to submit to God's plan for my life, He'd send me to a little grass hut in Indonesia or, I don't know, something. And we think, oh, that's terrible. But His plan is good. And then it says perfect. That means it can't be improved. God's plan and His will for me is the best possible plan that I, I could ever find. I couldn't improve it if I tried. And then pleasing means it gives me joy. Good, perfect, and pleasing. I want to find that for my life, and I trust that you do as well. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's why we're doing the purpose course. And on your notes, on your chair, you'll find a little handout folded in half. And... For this week, we're using the word made, M-A-D-E, as an acrostic for us to understand the first part of our purpose. How has God made me? And M stands for motivational gifts, which I will talk about in a minute. 
A stands for my arrival. In other words, the place and time and family that I arrived on planet Earth into. D stands for my desires. And E stands for my experiences. And so what we're saying today is if I, I can understand how God has made me, that's a part of the puzzle, a crucial piece that will help me understand what is my purpose. When I look at a little device and I try to understand its purpose, I look at how it's made, how it's designed, and then I can get a clue as to what its purpose is. If you look at yourself and you say, how has God made me? I believe that you're going to see great results. So let's look first of all at motivational gifts. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12 talks about seven gifts that are given to people. And I believe these are gifts that were put into us when we were born. Romans 12 says this. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I believe these gifts are different to other lists of gifts in the New Testament because these are gifts that were put into us when we were born. They were in the makeup, in the design of us as human beings. If we become Christians, those gifts then can be expressed and used for the Lord in the purpose he designed. If you like, we then start to work more and more according to the, the days ordained for me in God's book. If I give my life to the Lord, he uses these gifts for his purposes. If I don't give my life to the Lord, I believe these gifts are still in us, but we use them for other purposes, for our career, for our family, for our own enjoyment, whatever it is. But these gifts are things that are put into us. So I want to go through them. There are seven of them. And the theory that I'm, I'm putting across to you today is that I believe if you would look at these seven gifts and work out which of these seven do you have most strongly expressed in your life, it will give you a very good steer and guidance as to what is your purpose for God in this world. So, seven gifts. It's possible that you have more than one of these. It's possible that you have what's called a gift mix. So you might say, I'm strong in prophecy and mercy and leading. Those are my top three. Or I'm most strong in teaching and then encouraging and I'm least strong in giving or whatever it is. But these seven gifts, if you will look through them and try and understand where you fit in, I believe it'll give you a very good steer. So what we've done is we've also put a gifts questionnaire on your chair and that's for you to go away and do at home. And there's questions that you can answer. And at the end of answering that questionnaire, you should be able to say, these are my top three gifts in my gift mix. And these are the motivational gifts. These are the things that make me want to do stuff. Have you ever wondered, why do you want to get in arguments with people when they're saying something that's absolutely untrue? What is it in you that makes you want to help needy people? Or what is it in you that makes you want to study the Bible so carefully? It's because of this motivational gift inside of you. Are you ready for a quick overview of the seven? 
Right. Number one, prophecy. Prophecy, I believe, is this desire and this ability within some people to see right and wrong, black and white, truth and error. They have a strong ability and desire to separate truth from error, right from wrong, justice from injustice. They're the kind of people who are often on TV shows when you see a lawyer standing up and he's arguing persuasively and he's saying to the members of the jury, I put it to you that this is true and this is untrue. And they're able to logically separate right from wrong and they speak very well, they're very verbal and they're very good at expressing themselves and they argue for a verdict. I wonder if you have that in you or maybe you're not like that at all. Maybe you're the kind of person who hates confrontation. You hate to argue. You'd rather just let everybody be whatever they want to be. And there's no truth. There's no right. There's no wrong. If that's you, you're not, you don't have prophecy as one of your main gifts. But those who have it, they're very clear. They know what's right and wrong. They can smell hypocrisy in other people. They can see that's not true. They can, they can discern and judge motives of people. They say, that's not right. Why, why are you doing that? You greedy whatever. And they say something. And people who are not Christians have this gift, but then they become arguers or lawyers or whatever. Some, sometimes horrible things, actually. It can be used quite aggressively. But that's the gift of prophecy. Do you have it? If you have it, there's a strong chance that the Lord wants to use you in prayer ministry. Did you know? Prayer ministry, intercession is a big one where you feel the justice and the injustice and you want to fight for it. Or maybe speaking out publicly or leading small groups or, or challenging people uh, or, or prophesying in church and preaching in church. Or evangelism is another one where you can cut through people's motives and you can make them feel, I need to get saved. Prophecy is the first one. Right, let me move on to serving. Serving. This person has a servant's heart. They want to serve and help other people. They don't necessarily want to be the leader or the upfront person or the one who gets all the credit. They want to come along in the background and help and support and build up. And they get great pleasure and joy when together with other people they've managed to get something done, even though they haven't been the one who's taken all the credit. Are you a servant? Do you find that when there's a need that needs to be done, you, you do it? You see a need. You see, hey, why isn't anybody serving the tea? Let me go and do that. Let me go and help. Let me be involved. Let me be a servant. If that's part of your gift mix, you're an awesome part of the body of Christ. We are all supposed to be servants, but some people have it as their main motivator in life. And boy, God uses people like that. Right, I'm going to jump around a bit. Let me go to mercy. A person with the gift of mercy feels other people's pain intensely. They feel the, the hurt and the, and the pain of sick people, needy people, emotionally hurt people, poor people. They feel that and they have a deep desire to help. Even if it's just to go and hug. You know, remember when the man came to Jesus with leprosy? He says, Lord, if you're willing... You can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing. And he touched him. There was mercy. Jesus was moved with compassion for people. There's a, a, a deep empathy in some people's heart to feel other people's pain and to try to relieve it. That is an awesome gift. 
We need that in the body of Christ. Not everyone has that. Some people are able, able to harden themselves to others' pain and they don't feel it. Often those with the gift of leadership don't have the gift of mercy. But if those two go together, it's an awesome combination. But often leaders just say, we've got a task, we need to do it, but don't bother me with, you know, you're not feel, you've got a sore tummy today, I'm not interested, we're moving ahead. So mercy is a wonderful gift. We need people who express Jesus' compassion in the body of Christ. Just before I go on, just to say that all seven of these were strongly shown in Jesus' life. And only when all seven are expressed in our local church do we look like Jesus. That's how God's put us together. All of us have different mixes of these gifts. And when you mix us all together, the world, Jersey, and the world around us see Jesus in Lighthouse Church. Because all seven are being used and expressed. So do you have the gift of mercy, perhaps? Administration or leadership. The leader can see where we need to be, can see how we need to get there, and can see your role in helping us get there. So a leader is a, a person with vision. They can see where we need to go. They can see the steps that are necessary to get there. And they can see how you fit into those steps. They can say, your job, have you seen that advert? You are supposed to be a whatever. And that guy says, hey, that's, that's my job. That's, often that's what a leader does. They can see your job. Your, the way you can help us achieve this task is if you would do this, if you would express your gift here, if you would do this. And they organize people and they get us going in the right direction. We need leaders. We need people who can organize things in small groups, in projects, in outreaches, in church. We need leaders. It's not just the elders of the church who should have this gift. There needs to be leaders in every different aspect of what our church is doing. We need people who will say, this is where we're going and this is how we've got to get there. And the way you can tell a leader is because there's people following them. Not out of a, a sense of duty or compulsion. They want to follow them. Yes, this is where we need to go. And yes, you know how we can all get there. Let's do this together. Leaders build others up. They don't make people feel pressed down. But they, they make people express themselves properly. Awesome. What's the next one? Giving. Some people's gift, and they know it's their gift, is to contribute the resources needed to get a job done. And you might be sitting there and you think, no, surely that's not somebody's gift. I promise you, there are people whose gift from the Lord, they hear from the Lord. This is another thing. You know how you can tell your gift is the primary way you hear from the Lord is along, along your main gift mix. And the people with the main gift of giving, they hear from the Lord, you need to give there, you need to support that, that needs this gift, that, and they organize their lives in such a way that they've got resources to, to fund and to help and to support the things that God is doing. They're very particular about where they give their money. It has to be what the Lord has told them. Apart from just the normal tithes and offerings, they say, it's important that I give it to the right place where they're going to use it for what God is doing. And there's people who get an incredible buzz out of giving. And they don't want the limelight. They don't want anyone to know they've given. But that's their ministry. Boy, they're awesome people. Are you one of those? Or maybe it's somewhere there in your gift mix. Encouraging. Encouraging is the next one. You know the word encourage means to put courage in. 
It means a person who builds other people up. Have you ever been in a room and there's just somebody who's magnetic who makes everybody else feel important and good? They've got, sometimes they're called the life and soul of the party, but they're the person who, when you're in a social setting, they make everyone feel at ease and comfortable and yes, this is a good place to be. Yes, this is a great environment. Hey, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I came today. That's a person with a gift of encouragement. They're able to make others feel good and yes, we can do this together. Sometimes they come alongside one-on-one -on -one as counselors. So a person with a gift of encouragement, often when they also have the gift of uh, teaching or mercy, that's an amazingly strong combination because they can be a counselor. They'll come, they'll make you feel, yes, we can do this, but then they'll show you the steps on how you can get better or improve or, or overcome a problem. An encourager makes other people feel better. They put courage in. Have you seen those types of people? We need them. You know where you need them the most is in small groups. Small groups thrive when there's an encourager in a small group. Small groups struggle and die when there's no encourager. We can get together and we can all have mercy Oh, let's help everybody who's needy. But if there's no encourager, we'll lose the plot and we'll lose courage very soon and we'll probably not be doing that group anymore. But an encourager says, come on, guys. Yes, we can do this. Let's get together. If you have that gift, we need you. <laughs> Desperately. We need courage. Have you got that gift? And then lastly, teaching. The problem with this word teaching is people think I have to be a teacher if teaching is my main gift and that's not true. The, the motivational gift of teacher or teaching is the person who wants to find the details and be able to explain it to other people. They want to get into the details, the nitty-gritty. They don't want to just be told the big picture or the big idea. They want to know all the little bits that make up the big idea and why each of them is true or not true and then they want to be able to explain that to somebody else. We need those people in small groups. We need them in uh, writing articles, books, leaflets. We need people who can get into the detail and then explain it to other people. And often it's a gift mix. It's a mixture of teaching with something else that makes a person powerful for the Lord. So let's just say you do the questionnaire. You work out out of the seven. I'm strong in this, this and this, but I'm weak in this, this and this. Then you say, Lord, how can I use these gifts best? To serve you. Is that okay? Some motivational gifts. How God wired you up. What flicks your switch and makes you excited. That's what we're talking about as the M in, in MADE. The second one is your arrival place and family. Acts 17 verse 26 says, God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. That verse says that God determined the exact time and place and family that you should be born into. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And then it goes on to say why he did it. And this goes to purpose. Verse 27. So that, in other words, God had a reason. It wasn't just random. It was for a purpose. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. 
Can I tell you how it works? God knew there was going to be Greg Donaldson, but he didn't know I was going to be called Greg Donaldson. He knew me. He knew my spirit. Before the, world, before the foundation of the world, he knew me. And he said, which place in time, which place geographically, and which family must I put Greg into to give him the best chance of finding me? Isn't that amazing? I mean, I'm of Scottish descent, but I was born in Zimbabwe. How weird is that? Why? Why was I born in 1968 and not in 1268? Or be before Christ came? Why was I born when I was born? Why was I born to the family that I was born into with all their cultural issues, with all their problems, <laughs> with all the issues that went? Why? Because it's the best possible chance that I would have to grope for God and find Him. Isn't that amazing? Friends, part of finding our purpose is saying, what is it in me that motivates me? But also, what about this background and where I've been and where I was born and my family? How does that all fit in to what God was doing in my life? And most importantly, the very first purpose is for me to find Jesus. <laughs> all the other purposes come second to have I found Jesus? Have I, have I fulfilled step one of my purpose? Have I become born again? If I haven't been born again, then all the other stuff is irrelevant. I'm not even in the book that God wrote if I haven't found Jesus yet. That's the starting point. I've got to find Him before I can start to unfold all the purpose that I have. The D is desires. Desires. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord... And He will give you the desires of your heart. God puts desires in us. Motivations, needs. But they get corrupted by the world around us. By our own sinfulness. By other people's sinfulness. And we need to delight ourselves in the Lord. And then those desires start to change. They become the Lord's desires. And He then fulfills those desires. God is not a killjoy who wants to make our lives miserable. He wants to give us good things. Amen? He really does. He wants you fulfilled, blessed, full of joy and purpose and life and meaning. But he says, delight yourself in me and then I will change those desires in your heart and I will give you those desires. I can honestly say that's true in my life. God has changed the desires in my heart, but he's fulfilled every desire that I've ever had from him. It's amazing. God is good. So our desires give us a clue as to our purpose. But be careful that they're not your own desires. Be careful that they're the desires that have come out of you delighting yourself in the Lord. And then lastly, experiences. And I debated about putting this one in this first session. Because our experiences can be uh, sinful experiences. Things that God never wanted us to have. Isn't that true? You know, I, I use a sat-nav or a GPS whenever I'm driving in a foreign country. I tried it in Jersey and it's useless, but in other countries it's great. And I was driving in the UK last week and I was trying to find Colin. And I, I found a place that I thought was the right place and I plugged it in, but I'd, take, I'd got the wrong campus of the Bible school that he was in. So I ended up going way off course. And many of us think, you know, my life's been such a mess. I've gone against God. Bad things have happened. How can my experiences 
be something that God can use and something that's part of how God has made me. How can that be? And there's an amazing verse that uses this word purpose. And it's Romans 8 verse 28. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who've been called according to his purpose. There's something about me putting myself in God's hands and saying, God, I want your purpose for the world and for me. I want your purpose to be my purpose. When I do that, he says he works all things together for good. And that means all things, even my sins and other people's sins. Even if I've gone off track and I'm not on plan A, he says, right, we're making where you are now the new plan A. And from now on, we're going to go according to my purpose. When I take the wrong road on my sat-nav, a little recalculating thing comes up and it recalculates and it says, right, from here now you need to go there to get to where you want to go. Friends, you might think that you've blown it, that your life has been a waste, that all these terrible things have happened to you. I want to say that God will use all of that, even those bad experiences and the good experiences, to take you from where you are now and make that the new plan A, the new best route to get to where you need to go. And in fact, it's not just that he says, oh, well, we'll use the bad stuff. It says he works it for good. He even uses the bad stuff for good in my life. He blesses me through it. Isn't that amazing? You know, Jesus got beaten up on the cross. He was so bloodied and bruised and messed up. The Bible says he was marred more than any other man, beyond recognition. His beard was plucked out. He was just a mess. And when he appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, all of that was healed because he looked like a normal person, but he still had scars in his hands and in his side. Have you ever thought about that? Why did he heal everything, but he left some scars? Have you ever thought of that? He could have healed the scars in his hands and his side as well, as well as all the other stuff that got healed. He kept them because they were going to be used for good. They were a way of showing the disciples who he really was, but also for us to relate to Jesus. He's like us. He's had scars. He's had hard things happen to him. Your hardships in your life, God can turn them around so that instead of being wounds and bruises and sources of pain, they become things that will encourage and help other people. God can do that. So let's pray together. Let's stand. And let's just focus on Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would help us, Lord. Lord, we came in here with all sorts of ideas and thoughts and plans for our lives and many things on our minds. But God, I pray right now that you would focus us in on this one topic, this one message. What is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us right now, today, to start on this journey of finding out our purpose for you. Lord God, I pray for many of us that you would help us to overcome many years of wrong thinking, of lies that others have told us and the enemy has told us, some of the wrong thinking in our own heads, and help us, Lord, to realign ourselves with what you say and what is true. Father, I pray that for all of us, you would help us to find that good, perfect, and pleasing will of yours for our lives. Jesus, we want your purpose for us. Pray that you would help us. Lord, for those who have been hurt or maybe have sinned and gone way off track, 
I pray that today you would help us to come and put ourselves back in your hand so that you can again work all things together for good in our lives. Lord, Lord, even those bad things that have happened or are happening right now, God, we thank you for them because you work them for a better end, for a good result. We thank you for them, Lord. And I pray right now, Lord, for my brothers and sisters and for me, that you would put us right back on the path, on the road to where you want us to be. I'm just going to give a bit of time. The music's going to play for a bit and give you some time to just talk to the Lord. Just maybe say sorry for the ways you've gone off the road, gone off track. Maybe thank Him for the ways that He's going to turn those for good and allow Him to just re-inspire you with new hope that actually there is a purpose, there is a future, there is a good way ahead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're sorry, Lord. We're sorry for going off track. Forgive us, Lord. We want to be in your purpose again. Thank you, God, that you use all those mistakes, our own mistakes and others' mistakes, and you'll turn them for good in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to leadinglightsnetwork.com.